Dear ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to listen to Russian Embassy Weekly News Podcast number 155. The U.S., which traveled from the anti-ballistic missile treaty in 2002, forced Russia to start designing hypersonic weapons. We had to do that in response to the U.S. deployment of the strategic anti-missile system that potentially could actually neutralize and reduce to nothing all of our nuclear potential. I remember monitoring the launch of the first experimental gliding block in Plisetsk back in June 2001. That launch was a success. In the ensuing years, we made every possible effort to achieve agreements with the U.S. side on stopping work on the strategic anti-missile defense system or on its joint implementation in missile threat directions, including with European countries' participation. However, all our attempts proved futile. In this context, in 2004, we launched large-scale work. We publicly informed everyone about that. To all appearances, no one believed us back then. They thought we could not be able to do it. In December 2018, the final launch was made. Thus, all testing was successfully completed. Vladimir Putin's greetings to Russia Jews on Rosh Hashanah. President sent greetings to Russia Jews on Rosh Hashanah. The message reads in part, Followers of Judaism in our country deeply respect the invaluable historical and spiritual heritage of their ancestors and carefully pass on their ancient distinctive religious and cultural traditions from generation to generation. The Jewish New Year is rightfully considered one of the most important occasions in the life of the Jewish community. On these days, people look back on the path traveled to make plans for the future. They aspire to purify of thoughts and deeds and help others. I would like to know that Jewish religious associations are doing great and important work implementing socially significant charitable, educational and patriotic projects. I would like to highlight their tireless concern for strengthening peace and harmony, mutual respect and neighborliness between people, and of course, their contribution to the common fight against the threat of novel coronavirus infection. Message of greetings on South Ossetian National Holiday, Republic Day. Vladimir Putin sent a message of greetings to President of the Republic of South Ossetia Anatoly Bibilov on its international holiday, Republic Day. The President of Russia noted that 30 years ago the South Ossetian people bravely withstood audios and defended their right to freedom and independence. I am confident that relations between our countries will continue to unfold in the spirit of the Treaty of Alliance and Integration.
On its part, Russia will continue providing comprehensive assistance to South Ossetia in resolving current social economic challenges and in safeguarding national security, the president stressed in his message. Wishing Anatoly Bibilov good health and success in state activities and the people of the Republic peace and prosperity. Russia is rightfully considered a leader in the global helicopter industry. Our outstanding fellow citizens stood at the beginnings of it, creating technologies ahead of their time and introducing original engineering solutions. Today, Russian aircraft building companies, research centers and designer bureaus carefully preserve and develop these amazing creative and working traditions and confidently maintain the high quality while offering new products and services and promoting them on the domestic and international market. The robust capabilities of Halley Russia are fully involved in this large and necessary work. The exhibition always attracts the attention of specialists, experts and wide audiences and serves as a reputable platform to strengthen international cooperation, promote mutually beneficial contracts and launch promising projects. Meeting with President of Belarus Alexander Lukashenko, Vladimir Putin met with the President of the Republic of Belarus Alexander Lukashenko, who arrived in Russia on a working visit at the Bucharov Ruche residence in Sochi. President Vladimir Putin said that we are aware of international political developments in Belarus related to these elections. You are well aware of our position, wherefore the Belarusians themselves, without any suggestions of pressure from outside, calmly and in a dialogue with each other, sorting the situation out and come to a common decision on how to organize the work in the future. We are aware of your proposal to begin work on the Constitution. I think it's a logical, timely and proper thing to do. We are also aware of the position that your representatives most recently voiced and the OSCE in connection with the work on the Constitution. As far as I recall, a corresponding body has already been created, which is headed by the Deputy Chairman of the Constitutional Court. I'm confident that with your experience of political work, work in this area will be organized at the highest level, which will allow you to break new ground in improving the country's political system and thus create proper conditions for further development. Russia remains committed to all our agreements, including the agreements arising from the Union State Treaty and CSTO Treaty. We regard Belarus as our closest ally and, of course, I have told you many times in our telephone conversations, we will honor all our commitments. We undertook these commitments mutually in 1992 and, I believe, in 1994. Anyway, in 1994, you were already president. I wasn't, but it doesn't matter. What matters is that Russia undertook certain commitments, as I said, and regardless of who is in power at a particular point, the country must honor these commitments. You are aware that we have repeatedly stated that we will do so.
comments about the information and press department on the situation surrounding Alexei Navalny. We have taken note of the controversy arising at the instigation of Berlin, Paris, Stockholm and perhaps Washington and the main keeper of Euro-Atlantic solidarity, the controversy over the request by the Russian Prosecutor's General Office and the Foreign Ministry regarding the findings about the alleged poisoning of Alexei Navalny with an agent from the Novichok Group, which were made by OPCW certified laboratories in Germany, France and Sweden who get a negative impression from the Federal Republic of Germany's refusal to assist the Russian law enforcement bodies and its secret transfer of Navalny's biomaterials to its trusted partners. Clearly, this was done for political reasons so that Paris and Stockholm could automatically confirm Berlin's unfounded accusations against Russia. Today, it's hard not to recall the events of 2018 when Sweden, at the high point of drawn out hysteria in the West concerning the Skripal case assured us that the research lab at the Defense Research Agency in the Swedish town of Ume, which has now allegedly confirmed Mr. Navalny's poisoning, didn't have and couldn't have any Novichok samples. In fact, as it turned out, the Swedish specialists were competent enough to determine with 100% accuracy the presence of this toxic agent in the Russian bloggers B materials. As a Scott, a representative of this institute, told Spiegel that they can unequivocally confirm that Mr. Navalny's samples contain a neurotoxic from the Novichok group. Neurotoxins from the Novichok group are highly toxic. One job can kill. Importantly, throughout the past week, the OPCW Technical Secretariat's official representative shrugged their shoulders in response to our questions, saying the OPCW was in no way involved in this Navalny affair. Meanwhile, the Franco-Anglo-Saxon functionaries who dominate in the technical secretariat carried out an entire covert operation to collect additional bay material from Navalny, which was submitted for analysis for two more designated OPCW laboratories. We will not be surprised if these end up being the Swiss Spitz and British Portdown laboratories, which featured prominently in the Skripal case. Regrettably, we have to state that Western countries have crossed all the lines and turned the once authoritative OPCW into a dirty tool for pursuing their destructive designs. NATO has increased the intensity of naval forces, strategic aviation and air and naval intelligence means in the Black Sea. NATO has increased the intensity of not only naval forces in the Black Sea, but also strategic aviation as well as air and naval intelligence means. This was introduced today at a briefing at the National Center for State Defense Control of the Russian Federation by First Deputy Chief of the General Staff of the Russian Armed Forces, Chief of the Main Operational Directorate of the General Staff, Sergei Rutskoy. On the 28th of August, September 4th and September 14th, U.S. Air Force B-52H planes worked out how to use cruise missiles over the waters of the Black and Azov Seas, delivering conditional missile airstrikes against targets in the Southern Military District. During these flights, American planes approached the Russian border at a distance of up to 11 kilometers.
embassy's comment on Syria to Newsweek. Russia is committed to continue dialogue on Syria-related issues with the U.S. officials both in the U.N. and bilaterally. The goal of these contacts is to promote political process based on resolution of the U.N. Security Council number 2254. Currently, we witness a lot of pending problems in post-war Syria that require our joint efforts and should not be politicized. Those um, include urgent need for reconstruction of base civic and economic infrastructure, demanding improvement of humanitarian conditions for IDP. We also hope that the U.S. government at some point will realize the disastrous effect of American sanctions against Syrians. Moscow supports normalization of ties between Damascus and representatives of the northeastern Syria. For instance, on the 31st of August, Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov discussed restoring Syria's unity and territorial integrity with co-chair of the Syrian Democratic Council Ilham Ahmed. And we respect that the U.S. administration will not hinder potential dialogue between central authorities of northeastern political entities. We recall that eventual withdrawal of the U.S. forces will be a positive development for both um, Syrian and American people, especially taking into account the U.S. administration's commitment to bring U.S. soldiers home from the Middle East. Once it happens, the Syrian government will be able to assume its legitimate duties to ensure security on the eastern bank of Euphrates River. Dear ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your attention and please subscribe to our channel and social media.